It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway or Kyrie when he make a trade. And nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales packing and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today, it's me, your boy, Jay King from MassLive.com, here with Sam Jam Packard, the great, two of the most beloved Celtics players of the last 30 years are beefing over a 90-second tribute video. We will react to Paul Pierce and Isaiah Thomas in, I don't even want to call it a war of words, because they haven't really directly gone at each other. It's not even a beef yet, fam. It's just two dudes talking to people in the media. It's just two dudes talking to people in the media. All right, we won't call it a beef. We won't call it a beef. We'll, we'll back off on that. Before we get into it. It's a conflict. A conflict. Before we get into it, this is a Locked On Celtics podcast. If you want to subscribe to us, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcast. We are the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast, the greatest Celtics podcast ever created. And we're here to give you the good stuff. And some of that good stuff is Paul Pierce versus Isaiah Thomas. So we'll, we'll give you the, the, the summary. Isaiah Thomas, Wednesday night, the Celtics wanted to give him a video tribute, but he asked them to postpone it because he wasn't going to play, his family wasn't going to be there, and he wanted it to be in a game where his family could appreciate the love that the city has for him, which makes sense. The only problem with that is the next time the Cavaliers play in Boston, the only remaining time the Cavaliers play in Boston is February 11th. Paul Pierce's jersey night. So, <laughs> the Celtics, I think the Celtics are maybe the the dumbest party in all of this. <laughs> because instead of foreseeing a potential issue and telling Isaiah, sorry man, like fly your family in for this game, or like we're not going to be able to give you a video tribute, they seems like they told him, yeah, that's fine. No big deal. We'll give you a video tribute February 11th on Paul Pierce's night. The only problem is <laughs> Paul Pierce has an issue with it. And and it's Paul Pierce's night. And Paul Pierce should be able to dictate the terms of his night. He went on ESPN The Jump this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and said, Isaiah, Wednesday was your night. Come February 11th, you might have to wait till next year. He added, it's like everybody's getting a tribute now. It's like you play for a team, you get traded, you get a tribute video. 
Now, I'm not saying Isaiah shouldn't get a tribute video, but like, listen, on February 11th, the night I get my jersey retired, man, I'm not sure I want to look up at the Jumbotron and see Isaiah highlights after all the years I put in. <laughs> and I get it, man. <laughs> I get it. Like, I, 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 I understand it to a point, but like, I don't know. Do you really think like the four minutes out of that game where they like cheer for Isaiah is going to ruin Paul Pierce night? Like they're doing a whole pregame ceremony. They're going to be, it's going to be Paul Pierce night all night. Like, I don't know, man. I like, I understand the athlete ego and that's just like kind of comes with being an athlete, but it's four minutes. Like there's going to be moments in that basketball game that are not about Paul Pierce. Like, you know, the 48 minutes when they're actually playing basketball, but, no, you can, I you can spare five minutes of the other time to just be about Isaiah. I don't think this has anything to do with athlete ego. This is Paul Pierce's night. He's he spent 15 seasons with the Celtics. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He won a title with the Celtics. He made however many All Star games. I think it was 10. He's the second leading scorer in Celtics franchise history. He did a hell of a lot more than Isaiah Thomas did, and that's no disrespect to Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was brilliant in his two and a half years in Boston. What what Isaiah Thomas did in the playoffs last year was so impressive on so many levels. But Paul Pierce is a legend, and this is Paul Pierce's retirement night. It's the night that's supposed to be all about him, the night when his jersey gets raised to the rafters. If, if, I, had, if I was getting retired, or, and I had a retirement party even – I don't want I don't want, you know, my my company to bring up like the employee of the month to get to get a round of applause. I don't want to see Isaiah Thomas video and the the whole crowd chanting IT. I I don't I don't want the spotlight off me. And maybe that is ego. It probably is but ego. But the spotlight's going to be off you for the entire basketball game when they're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James is on the court. Like, there's, it's not entirely a Paul Pierce evening. No, but I it is. That if it was it, like a bank, it if is. There was a banquet for him. Like, if there was an entire, like, they filled the garden and it was solely just Paul Pierce's night, and then they decided, oh, we're also doing Isaiah. Then I see your argument. But they're also playing a professional basketball game against like two of the top teams in the East. There's plenty of other things that are not Paul Pierce related. I don't know. I just don't see why you can't do five minutes for Isaiah. Now, I agree with you completely that the Celtics should have just said, you know what, Isaiah, you don't play for our team. We like you a lot, but you don't get to choose when we honor you at uh, with a video. The Celtics are the ones who ended up looking not great in this just because they're trying to be nice people. I think everyone else looks bad because the Celtics botched this. Like, if, if they had just behind the scenes said, sorry, Isaiah, we can't do it. That's Paul Pierce's night. We don't want any con- any potential conflict. Then that's it. That's squashed. Isaiah has to just accept. I'm getting the video, video tribute tonight. Fly his family in. It could have been no big deal. But he made a request, which I think it's a fine request, like to, to want it to hey, be man, done. you got to ask for what you want. And the, the Celtics were the ones who gave it to him. Yeah. It, it's, this is on the Celtics to me. I think the Celtics botched this one. I think they screwed this one up. And now we've got two of the most beloved Celtics players at odds about what should happen on February 11th. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Isaiah says. I'm looking forward to seeing how he reacts to Paul Pierce's comments because Isaiah typically tells the truth and Isaiah is typically honest. And I think he has a lot of respect for Paul Pierce. That you know, it's 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 crazy how much has changed 
in the Boston Celtics landscape over the last seven months. Like last year at this time, Paul Pierce was just finishing saying that Isaiah was the best point guard in the Eastern Conference. And then I think the two met up for like dinner or something on New Year's Eve, didn't they? Like it just just weird, weird, weird how much has changed since then. <laughs> now they're now they're at odds over over a little 90-second video tribute. It's way too much of a headache for a 90-second video tribute, but I understand from Pierce's perspective. And if if Pierce wants does not want Isaiah Thomas to be honored, I'm, I think the Celtics have to side with Pierce on this one. Like you just I mean, you gotta side with Pierce in any Pierce versus IT. You you don't have to. I I think if he asks for something totally unreasonable, I don't think this is unreasonable. I think this is pretty reasonable. It's it's completely reasonable, and that's why you kind of just go with, we go with what Pierce wants. One, he won a championship. Two, he spent the majority of his career here and grew up basically as a Celtics and should mean a lot more to the uh, organization. I mean, I'm a huge IT fan, but if you're going to have to choose sides, you go with Pierce. But... Ultimately, I'd like to see – I think most of it is because I want to see what the Isaiah tribute moment was like. During the game against Cleveland, I thought it was a kind of uh, – it was it was a less than moment. Like, Isaiah didn't really realize he was on the Jumbotron to begin with. Neither did the fans. There's no, like, real public acknowledgement. I don't know. I think, like, Isaiah deserves more. So, I'm get, I mean, I'm trying to have it both ways. I'm trying to have my perfect Paul Pierce nice and Isaiah get, like, recognized by the fans. But that's just because I thought uh, – against the Cavs, the, that moment wasn't just, like, as cool as it could have been. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. But, I mean, Paul Pierce moments will be pretty cool, too. <laughs> hey, um, Jake Crowder didn't even realize that the Celtics gave him a moment. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have called that a video tribute. It was like they showed, like, what, three seconds of highlights? They showed some highlights. They showed, like, uh, some appreciation. The crowd was there. I mean... For what I expected the Jay Crowder reception to be, that was way more than I thought. So for him to completely miss it just doing handshakes uh, on the Cavs was hilarious, though. Jay, Jay Crowder deserved the cheers that he got. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, 
the Locked On NBA Podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. (sighs) Also deserving of cheers, Jason Tatum, who won the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. But obviously we know Jason Tatum is really good. I want to turn this into a discussion of one kind of underrated storyline that I didn't predict. And maybe it's not an underrated storyline. Maybe it's just like a bogus storyline that doesn't even matter, Uh, which it is. That's always a good way to... to No way to sell your point, Jay. No way to keep folks interested. No, but but I'm, I'm just surprised at how much better... Jalen Brown, or just at the fact that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are already better than Jay Crowder, and how much those two guys' athleticism and length has helped the Celtics' defense, and you you could see it against Cleveland. Like Boston was just on another level, speed wise, athletic wise. Tatum is far, far more athletic already than than Crowder ever was. Jalen Brown is on his way to becoming far, far more dynamic than Jay Crowder was. Um, so they they can just attack you in different ways. And I, I think that's one of the biggest difference for this team. And, and it's a difference that I didn't foresee at the beginning of the season because I didn't think Tatum and Brown would be as ready as they are. And I, I didn't think they would be able to help as much as they have. And I, I think the Cleveland game, that matchup was was perfect to see just how much those guys have changed things for Boston because Cleveland's older, Cleveland's aging. Around LeBron James, those guys have a lot of miles on their legs. And Tatum and Brown were just running circles around those guys. And I know it was the second night of a back-to-back, and I know Isaiah Thomas wasn't playing, and I know all the extenuating circumstances that it went into Cleveland's poor play. I get all the excuses. But at the same time, the Celtics are so much more athletic than Cleveland, with the exception of LeBron James, who remains the greatest player in the world, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that, that's so. That let, let's go with that for the rookie of the month conversation. No, I think that's fair. It's just the this like the thing that's been impressed me the most about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is their impact on the defensive end. Uh, there's a lot of questions about Tatum's defense coming out of Duke. Uh, Jalen sometimes last year would just get pulled from the game and not play again because of defensive mistakes. But this season, and I think it's a, a kind of a major reason why the Celtics have been so, so successful, and we've seen them play much better defense um, as of late, is this those loose guys have been amazing. They're incredibly versatile. Basically, between the two of them, you can guard one through five. I know you don't like wouldn't ideally want to put Tatum on a five, uh, for long periods of times, but he can do it for a possession or a couple of possessions. And Jalen Brown can absolutely guard a one. We saw Jason Tatum um, reject James Harden the other day. Just those two guys and their kind of athleticism um, and their versatility on the defensive end makes this Celtics team um, incredibly dangerous. And the fact that they have those two guys basically playing uh, third and fourth roles behind Kyrie Irving and Al Horford as established stars has been, uh, it's kind of a, a amazing formula for success and just their impact so early on. As something I tried to talk, uh, I tried to ask Brad about yesterday, just about the, like their leadership. Um, and I don't know, he didn't, I don't think he gave me the best response. He was just talking about how uh, impressive they have been. And 
I mean, I'm I'm agreeing with Brad in the fact that they've just basically taken everything and gone through Jalen going through the adversity of like his best friend committing suicide. And then, I mean, just throw that into the general adversity thing, but talking about just the, the impact that a 19 and a 20 year old have had, it's 21. super remarkable. It's just, 21. it's amazing. 21. Damn it. Packard Brown can drink now. Oh, Brown has been drinking. So has Tatum. So I don't think the 21 <laughs> matters, but all right. 21. <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's, let's get to some of the questions. The, the listeners have questions. If anyone wants to send in questions for next week's mailbag or just for any podcast, we, we always look through hashtag rain and J's. That's R A I N I N J S. Send it to that. We'll find it. There's a chance we might put you on the air. All right, Sam, let's let's hear let's hear the first question. All right, the first one. We're starting out with the Rain and Jays. This is from Matt P at Matthew P nineteen seventy-seven. Do you see Tito Rozier ever be developing into a legit starter in the NBA, or is he forever a sixth man? And then the second question, how does the bomb genesis impact your hair? Hashtag Rain and Jays, hashtag bomb cyclone for life. So let's deal with the bomb cyclone first. How's your hair doing? In the bomb cyclone. Yo, what is the bomb cyclone? I saw people tweet about that. Yo, it's that. the weather, weather fucking hurricane we're experiencing right now, man. That's the name of uh, whatever the weird wind and snow we're dealing with that has just dropped feet upon us. I've been shoveling all day. Yeah, I have not left my apartment today. I have. I, I checked how much it was supposed to snow. I saw how much it was supposed to snow, and then I turned my my thoughts to much more important things like beef over a 90 second video tribute so <laughs> I, I i'm unaware what the the bomb cyclone is my hair is very much messy because it is now thursday night and i have not showered today i have not left my apartment at all and it's just been a kind of a lazy snow day what was the other part of that question uh it's about tito rosier developing it into a legit starter and just in case oh. you're wondering my hair is doing wonderful but um. Do you think Tito uh, can become a starting point guard in the NBA? Not for the Celtics. They have Kyrie Irving. They have Jalen Brown. They have Jason Tatum. They're going to get Gordon Hayward back. There's no spot now, and there will be no spot in the future unless a big trade happens. I don't see Terry Rozier starting for the Celtics. I do think he's starting caliber. I think there are teams he could probably start for right now, although point guard is a really good position. Tito's good. Tito can defend. Tito's become a much better three-point shooter. Tito's finishing still has a ways to go. He still needs to... He dunked now, though. Like like four times a season. Let's... And, and only on the only on wide-open breakaways. <laughs> but he, he still needs to learn how to run pick-and-rolls and run the offense and things like that. But he, these last two weeks, Tito has been really, really good. And when he's that good off the bench, it changes things. Because then they go from a bench that doesn't really have many scoring options to a, a bench that has Tito filling it up. And now Marcus Morris is playing sometimes with the bench and Tatum is sometimes leading second units. So when Rozier is filling it up, that changes things for the Celtics changes things. No, he's been quite good, but you're right. The point guard position is been, uh it's super deep in the NBA. So I don't know. I think he, like it, it all depends on situation. I, you're right. I don't think he finds a starting role with the Celtics, but he's been 
He's certainly proven it, and his kind of three-point shooting has been much improved. He needs to go to whatever, like, school Marcus Smart went to last year and learn kind of pick-and-roll offense and engaging the big and passing the pick-and-roll because I think Marcus Smart has come a ways in his uh, pick-and-roll play creation and his passing and pocket passing. And so just send Terry Rozier to Miami, have him work out with Jay Laranega like uh, Marcus Smart did all last summer, and I think you'll, I think he'll be— he still has a ways to improve in, in terms of that, but I think he, I don't know about a starter, but he's quite good. I'm a huge Tito fan. I, I don't think that should surprise anyone. Big Tito guy. Um, Kevin at Polker, Poker Wolverine. What does this roster look like three to five years from now? We'll have money to have Kyrie Gordon and a three top five picks, Jalen Jason and the Lakers pick. So Ooh, he's already adding the Lakers pick. Already, already considering that a top five pick. Well, the Lakers have been pretty, pretty, pretty shitty recently. So Yeah, but their schedule is about to lighten up, and the standings at the bottom are very crowded. There are a lot of bad teams this year. It's not like they're like three games behind, ahead of of teams. They're they're right in a pack of teams that really, really suck. And Who are the five teams that you think are could be worse than the Lakers? Like, who is going to keep the... Well, just based on like where they finish, because the lottery can like I mean, change a bunch of different things, and we're not dealing with that. But who are the five teams do you think are worse than the Lakers uh, right now or at the end of the season? I mean, any of those five teams. It could be Memphis, Sacramento, Dallas, Phoenix, Chicago, Orlando. Atlanta. No, Chicago Atlanta. is good now that Nico Miritich Chicago came back, is but... not good now. No, no, Yo, Chicago won, is not good. What, like six games? They're good. No, they are, they are a mirage. They are trash. They are headed for bumness very shortly. <laughs> Worse than the Lakers, though. Yeah, I, I don't think the Lakers are like that, that, that bad. Okay, the- back to the question, though. The question's a difficult one because it's asking us to say what the roster is going to look like in three to five years. And I don't know. Jason Tatum's going to be there. Jalen Brown's going to be there. Kyrie Irving's probably going to be there. Uh, I'm assuming he resigns. Gordon Hayward's going to be there. After that, I don't know. It just it's very hard to predict NBA free agency, but I think it's a good opportunity to pivot towards just thinking about that Lakers pick. The Lakers may not be that bad, but they also could definitely finish in that 2 to 5 range. Uh Jay King, have you been and this is for questions from Dallas Nelson at Dallas Nelson 35. And shout out to that guy for having the name Dallas. That's a strong first name. Dallas is asks, a good first name. Have you have you looked at any of the top prospects to see which one you think is the best fit? Um, he is personally a big fan of uh, Bagley with the current roster. So, Jay King, tell me tell me all this college scouting you've done, and who do you think the f- fits in with the Celtics roster the best? The cool thing about the top prospects is they all fit in with the Celtics roster. Luka Doncic probably is the worst fit because I think offensively he's a point guard, but he's also... Six seven and super skilled, and can really shoot. So he and Kyrie could probably both play off ball sometimes. But other than that, like Michael Porter, Marvin Bagley, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Mo Bamba, all those. I'm a guys. huge Mo Bamba fan. He Mo, put up like multiple, blo- like over five blocks a game. That's impressive to me. Mo Bamba's Mo verrated. Well, uh, tell me why. Because he's not as good offensively as those other guys. And to me, 
Like if if you have but a, Aiton, they're not the defensive star. Like Aiton is much better offensively, but he's not like the same defensive impact that Mo Bamba would have. I think the Celtics really lack size. Uh, Do you know what the I, Celtics are right now? Tell me, please. They're the number one ranked defense in the league. That's true, but I'm talking about the playoffs against Tristan Thompson. I don't think the Celtics have an answer. Yeah, because Baines, Baines is just going to be a one-year guy. Um, no, I, I mean, I like all those guys. I, I think Bamba's going to be really good. But to me, at the top of the draft, I would just prefer someone who you know is going to be an offensive superstar. And to me, there are guys out there like that. I think Bagley is going to be an absolute stud. I think Aiton is going to be an absolute stud. I think Donkic is going to be absolute stud. I think Bamba is going to be really, really freaking good. But it just worries me that he's not nearly as skilled as some of those other guys. You just you need some guy who can play the five defensively, who's bigger and more physical than Al Horford, and can still shoot threes. Because the Celtics offense, I think, is really at its best when they can play five out and they're like they're shooters all around. So any person who can come in, I, I agree with Bamba might not be the best fit that way just because he's not a three-point shooter. Did I just talk you out of Bamba? In, I mean, I've watched three minutes of college basketball yes. this year, so yeah. Yes. You, you definitely talked me out of I, Bamba. I watched like a game and a half of Bamba. I, I just literally looked at Bamba's stat line against Kansas, and I was like, yeah, that's a player I can fuck with. <laughs> like, but... <laughs> we are we are spitting hot takes right here, by the way. We are I, I always dive into prospects towards the end of the Celtic season and during the early stages of the offseason. But right now I'm very much unprepared to speak with any bit of intelligence on top five prospects in this coming draft. So don't don't quote me on Mobamba being moverated. I kinda just <laughs> I kinda just thought that sounded good and said it. It, one, it didn't sound good, so I don't think anyone's going to quote you on that. But um, my main strategy is just to text Kevin O'Connor when it's closer to draft time, and he tells me uh, what's what. And um, that's usually worked out in the past because he was a huge Jason Tatum guy when some people, Sam Sheehan, what's going on? Some people were not big Jason Tatum people, but you're right. I just think the ideal position or, or person who would fit with the Celtics is – Someone who's bigger, more physical than Al Horford, who can still shoot the three, uh, because that that is key to the Celtic offense. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Moving on. That was Steve that was Major. Go- that was great. Uneducated talk. Well, that's like half of our podcast. But uh, Steve Major, with the way the team is playing now, what position could you see Danny try to bolster at the trade deadline? I think bench scoring is still the thing that the Celtics need. I think if uh, bench shooting too, because as well, but there's as, a problem in that though, because the bench unit plays its best when Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier are kind of like going off on defense. You need someone who's like going to be a good defensive player. If they can get bench scoring from a wing position or a big position. I think that's like where they would target, but that's so much harder to find. Like everyone talks about Lou Williams. If you immediately bring Lou Williams in, you have Lou Williams defense and he's taking a minutes away from kind of like the good defense of Rozier and smart. So I agree with you on bench scoring. It's just like, they needed a, like a bigger 
better position than is generally available. I also think people have to keep in mind that the Celtics aren't necessarily looking for upgrades that will help them this season. I think when you look at the DPE, I, I know you can only add someone on the final year of his contract, but the Celtics have typically avoided guys that are only going to help them for a quick run. And that'll change when they're real title contenders, but I don't think they are right now. I think the Golden State Warriors are on another level. I think the Houston Rockets are on another level. I think it's possible that the Celtics win the Eastern Conference, but you know those other teams are just so damn good that I don't think the Celtics' focus is on right now yet. And they're not going to get someone who, who will help this team without helping in the future. Uh, and maybe maybe that will change because they do have the DPE. Maybe they'll they'll decide. You know what? We can go out and and get some bench help for now, and, and it won't hurt us later. Whatever. Um, but when you think about some of the players they've declined to target in the past, the PJ Tuckers and the Serge Ibaka's, it's it's guys that fit that profile that are in the final year of their contract, and the Celtics wouldn't want to re-sign in the future. And so, so you've got to keep that in mind. And I, when you think about it that way, you, you'd think mostly youngish guys. And we've said this before on the podcast, but the Celtics rotation is full of good players. And to, to get a player to even crack the rotation, he's going to have to be a solid player. And to get a player they're going to want to keep around at some price that will be dictated this summer for the DPE, which, again, you have to only take guys on expiring contracts. So if you're going to keep them in the future, you're going to want to spend more money to for whatever their raise is or whatever their next contract is. So it's going to have to be someone they want to keep around and keep to build. And that's probably going to be a bench player who's probably not going to cost a lot of money because the Celtics are going to be – they're going to be spending a lot of money in the future. You know, they've got – Al Horford and Gordon Hayward on max contracts. They've got Kyrie on a max contract now, and it's going to basically double if he re-signs with the Celtics after his current contract expires in a year and a half. And, you know, it's it's obviously a little bit down the line, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, those guys are going to get paid one day. So I, I just don't see them making a huge, huge splash at the trade deadline. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can find an upgrade maybe they can get the piece they need but i just don't see them making like a big move i just don't know if that move is out there no and this like they haven't been fully healthy this entire year like they're this it's been most recent like two weeks where you had everyone healthy on the lineup i mean they're not healthy with gordon hayward being out but marcus morris and having the basically a full bench I just don't I would be kind of surprised if the Celtics made a move at this point I feel like they're definitely in position to stand pat uh I think their defense when they can throw out Morris or Semi and just along with the other different wings I just wouldn't be like I just don't think the Celtics are desperate to make a move when you win 31 of your first 41 games there shouldn't be like I know fans love trades and there's like certain moments of frustration where you think, oh, if only we had a, a Lou Williams type. But I just don't think the Celtics are in a desperate position right now to make a trade. So I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do anything with the trade deadline or the, the DPE. I just don't but know Lou, if there's like. But Lou Williams once had two girlfriends at the same time. 
I mean, Lou Williams is a baller. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to deny that fact. And I would welcome him uh, fondly. If he came to the Celtics, I'd be immediately become the biggest Lou Will fan there is because all that dude does is get buckets. But I don't think Danny Ainge thinks the same way we do. I, I need more buckets, man. I, I need to <laughs> I need to watch more buckets. I need higher That's scoring. All Jay games. King wants is beef and buckets. Although I, I don't know if I can handle beef anymore. I'm I'm not built for it, man. <laughs> Jay King officially out the beef game, the, having done like a half a beef. No, this Isaiah Pierce thing just has people angsty. And everyone has hot, hot takes. People are mad online, man. It's the winter. They're not people are seasonal affective disorder. They just want to be. They just want to rip those takes off. And I'm just. I'm. I'm here to just tell everyone to chill, man. There's no reason to be angry online about the sports. It's just sports. <laughs> Have fun online. Make dumb memes. Make good jokes. Don't get angry. I, I just. That's a, per, that's a public service announcement from Jam Packard. Everybody's got strong hot takes, man. There there aren't a lot of lukewarm guys anymore. Like. Well, you you can't be lukewarm on the internet. You neither need you got to be very extreme in either direction, and it's uh it's not great. But you know what? I think it's a perfect opportunity to pivot into the the final portion of the podcast, the raining <laughs> junk. Here uh, we go. This one question is from Seafoam Jones, who, if you've been listening to me on podcasts for a while, you know this dude knows. Uh, he's got great questions, and he always comes with the the good. Would you rather? So this is a good one. Would you rather have someone that scores 30 a game but throws up the shocker after every bucket or someone who gets 10 but dabs tastefully? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great I question. Told you see Foam Jones comes with the heat. Great question, first of all. I, I mean, you got to go with the shocker. You got to go with the shocker. Yeah, 30 For, points. First of buckets all, is buckets, man. <laughs> first of all, if the question had been 10 points in the shocker, Versus ten points and a tasteful dab, I'm going ten points with a shocker. Oh fuck off, J King. No, I I need I need the guy who's out there. I need I need a guy who's willing to to test test boundaries and and step over rules. I need I need a guy who wants to throw up the shocker after made buckets. I don't. I'm I'm with you on boundary testing, but a guy who throws up the shocker after every bucket is a is just a bad individual. He's just like not someone you want to hang out with. He's generally a douchebag. Someone who dabs casually, tastefully, tastefully is a key word. Still kind of an asshole because they're dabbing after every single basket they score, and that's not cool. Okay, but, I've got a, I've got a random, totally random rant that has nothing to do with basketball or the Celtics. It's rain whatsoever. and junk, baby. Bring it on. This is rain and junk. Um, why has the term 69 become socially acceptable? Uh, because like, it's nice? I don't know. I feel but, like PFT commentary like, like has a lot to do with it. 69 jokes are mainstream now. And 69 is... It's a sex act. <laughs> like, yeah, that it is. Like, King, that like it is. If, if you were joking about like doggy style or something, people pe- that would cross the line, way cross the line. But for some reason, 69 jokes are fair game, and I just don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't. I don't hate on 69 jokes. I don't think jokes. you should question it. I think you should just embrace the weird kind of societal it's, like, it's path just, that we've taken. It's just a quirk. It's just a quirk, and it's something that I've noticed a lot. And like reporters will make sixty nine jokes, players will make sixty nine jokes. You know and, what it is? And it's I think always it's wrong, okay. Man. 
Gronk has a lot to do with it. Gronk has really popular, like, brought 69 mainstream. Yeah, Gronk is a 69 god. One of the, He finished the season with 69 catches, which is hilarious. Um, one of my new favorite things is just uh, saying Tice uh, um, anytime anyone says 69 because uh, Daniel Tice, and it rhymes with nice. Shouts to Daniel Tice, by the way. I know we gave him some props on last night's podcast. Two threes in a row. <laughs> Daniel Tice from Beyond the Arc making threes just makes me smile. And especially the, the sidestep three ball from the corner. Where did that come from, Z German? Oh no, it was it was amazing. But I I appreciate your rant and your general confusion. Um, I just don't get it, man. That that is that is really really just caught me by surprise. Yo, world's going one way, people another. Yeah. Shout out to Poot. Um, at Tobias Funke. No, sorry, his name is Tobias Falke at Los Falco. Who would be better, Marcus Smart in Al Horford's body or Al Horford in Marcus Smart's body? Hashtag Rain and Junk. Uh, they would both suck. What are you talking about? Marcus Smart and Al Horford's body would be amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, yeah. Think about that tenacity in, like, a 6'11 frame and just ability to, like, actually guard people. I I don't know. I don't know why I said they would both suck. I just kind of spaced out for a a second. I also think Al Horford and Marcus Smart's body, like, just think of, like, uh, Marcus Smart, but he can shoot and has very good fundamentals. No. Would, I think both would be good. He would be a 6'3 guard who has a slow release and can only drive closeouts and has like one move and it's a left shoulder hook shot. <laughs> or no, or the other one. just spent the past 30 seconds shitting on Al Horford just because he's in a 6'3 body and I didn't appreciate it. No, 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 no. All your points are uh, reasonable. Al Horford is great. I'm just saying his game would not exactly work. If he were a guard. And he he makes great decisions. He wouldn't turn the ball over. He would still shoot a great percentage. He still be a great passer. Yeah, but his his game it just it just wouldn't work in, in Marcus's body. I'm sorry. So so Marcus Smart in Al Horford's body just He would just being rampage that, over and fools. That crazy at that size, I think, is a general benefit for everyone. He would just rampage over fools. All right. This is from Kickstep21, the guy who won $900 uh, on draft and basically kicks my ass every night on draft. But hold on, hold on. I'm, asked, go, I'm going back to the smart thing. I'm, go, right, I'm yeah, going back to the continue. smart thing. If smart didn't have his his strength, what would he be? Because Horford, like for all the things he is, he's not the, <laughs> at all the strongest. He's not a strong man. boy. And so like if smart was getting beat for rebounds and smart was getting bodied sometimes. And if smart was like picking and popping and shooting like shit, but he, he, he could also smart could also turn into like, like Ben Simmons type, like, like just create for everybody, be super tall. Maybe he could finish at that size. And I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was just imagining Marcus smart, with like the same level of intensity and strength, in a six eleven frame, so I don't know. It's it's a good question. If he didn't have the, if he basically j- had Al Horford's same exact physical attributes, it'd be a totally different story. But for some reason, I was just imagining like like at shooting that size, a gun at, at that Smart, height, and he was just expanded six inches. Yeah, it's that's a great question. I feel like it's we good. get 
those smart questions all the time. Like, if, if smart was Marcus, in somebody else's body, people love imagining Marcus Smart in somebody else's body. People always ask us, like, who would you want to be in a Sharknado contest with, or who you'd want to be in a fight in an alley with? And it's like the answer is always Marcus Smart. It's just like there's so many questions that you can ask, like. Who would you want someone to be physically tough and uh, fight till the end? And the answer is Marcus Smart every single time. Yeah. He always wins. He impacts winning. Kick step. He asked, do we need to start watching Jam Packard between Al's eyes and the way he looks at Brad? I'm starting to get a little worried. Um, I would say there's no reason to worry. I just point out facts. And uh, Brad made a hilarious dad joke at practice, and the camera happened to capture me laughing at it. So, no need. Um, and it's a tad homophobic, which I don't care for. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for the homophobia either. Get that crap off my podcast. You don't. You don't have to worry about me. I have a thorough appreciation for both Al Horford and uh, Brad Stevens. Uh, I've never expressed this to them, but they they probably know. I'm pretty public about it. I don't think it's something you have to worry about. Um, and the final one is just – this is for actually an older one, but I wanted to include it in here. Can we get a shout-out tonight for our man Gerald Green dropping 27 points last night against Orlando? That's from Tanny Levitt at Loud O'Spinions. Gerald Green is getting buckets. I'm just glad Gerald buckets. Green's back in the league, man. He need, he's a great individual. I'm just surprised he wasn't in the league. Like, he can still do things. He's The man gets buckets. He's a very good shooter. Long, athletic, not the greatest defender ever, but good guy to have in the locker room, and he gets buckets, man. That's a crazy thing about the NBA is that it's really the top 400 players in the league, and I like there there's players who are incredibly talented or so good, and who just don't for whatever reason get their opportunity um, to like show their talent. And this is something I think it was Jeff Van Gundy on the Woj pod some point last week. And he's talking about how he was starting to pay a lot more attention to the G League now that he's kind of doing the Team USA stuff. And I have some friends who work in the G League and I talking to them and they're just talking like those players are amazing. They just for whatever reason, they just don't get their opportunity. So it's like those players are way better than any basketball player you've ever seen and they're NBA like level talents but just because of like situation they don't get the opportunity but you should really appreciate the guys who are in the NBA doing it at their level because they're the the best of the best and sometimes like opportunity or situation or coach like will dictate whether or not they're successful but if Gerald Green who a guy who can still get you 27 points in an NBA game was just without a job to start the season it just kind of shows you how like how high the talent level is in the NBA. That was, that was a hell of a speech about the G league. I, w- I Yo, wasn't I'm ready for it. League hard, man. I wasn't ready Shout for to it. My but... boy Nick Freeman. He's the assistant coach of the Northern Arizona suns. There you go. Shouts to, shouts to the G league. Shouts to Anthony Bennett, who came from the Northern Arizona suns. He did. Uh, I'm excited to see Anthony Bennett uh, tearing it up in Portland, Maine, because if there's the one thing Portland, Maine needed, it was more Anthony Bennett. And so I'm glad that trade happened. And with that, um, I'm all out of junk, man. There's That, uh, that got real junky. That's what we do. That's what, oh, not we. Normally I get like real junky and then I say things that are kind of conf- like confusing and then you and John are just kind of like laugh. Not really laugh, just kind of go, okay, and move on. And that's when I know I've hit that sweet spot. So that's a perfect rating junk for me. Yeah, 
And I, I came out of the woodworks with a, a discussion about 69. So <laughs> We know where your mind is, Jake King. I'm just saying. I, I've seen that a lot lately, and it baffles me every time. I mean, I don't, I don't have a great answer for you, but I'm glad you were felt like this was a a, a safe environment for you to share uh, your feelings and your thoughts. So that's what the Locked On Celtics is. We're here for an open, honest dialogue, an expression, a mutual exchange of ideas, a tête-à-tête, if you will. So and for uh, envisioning Marcus Smart in other people's bodies, but but that's it, that's it. Let's let's hope that Isaiah and Paul Pierce can come to a peaceful resolution. Let's hope the Celtics figure out. How not to botch Paul Pierce's jersey retirement night and still somehow honor Isaiah Thomas, who does deserve some sort of honor, some sort of video tribute, but maybe not on Paul Pierce's day. That's it for this episode of Locked On Celtics Podcast. So go subscribe to us. Search for Locked On Celtics anywhere. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.